Hi there, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Frameworks and Flywheels podcast. In this episode, we talk about how uh, many consumer services tend tend towards becoming utilities in their in their customers' lives, and how this changes the customers' expectations and the implications this has on the founders and the businesses that are built around these services. Uh, and we round things off with our uh, recommended content recommendations for the week. Hope you like this episode. Uh, thanks you. Thank you for listening. Welcome everybody for this episode seven of Frameworks and Flywheel podcast. This is Sachit and this is Chaitanya. So, uh, so Chaitanya, just to get things started, um, so you're mentioning about companies that end up becoming utilities, right? And that's that's a term that you that you used, uh, and that's a fairly intriguing ad- argument hmm. uh, on companies becoming extremely service oriented and so on. Right. Uh, so, if you can elaborate on that, and uh, then we can we can just have that discussion. Right. So, so I was thinking about companies uh, like how you know uh, how we see Uber and Ola today, and mm-hmm. and even say Swiggy Zomato and things like that. Right? These are um, operationally driven services that uh, that have become like utilities in our lives. Right. right? So, right. so when I say utilities, I think of like how you think of um, water supply and electricity supply and broadband internet. Right. Broadband. Yeah. So you yeah. see it in the same vein, in the sense that uh, there is a service given and. Um, you just like you expect a certain level of quality from it, and you don't think about it otherwise, right? Right. So, for example, you don't notice, think about electric electricity supply until it goes until you have a power cut, right? Right. And, right. And you have nothing good to see. You you don't wake up in this morning saying that you know Bescom is awesome, Bescom or your, your electricity supply company is awesome, right? Right. And yeah. Uh, but when things go wrong, you you curse them basically. Right. Right. So so, I think for a certain class of um, operationally driven companies, mm-hmm. that is actually the best case end state, right? Right. That's what like. Uber wants to become a default in your life for right. transportation or right. Right. whatever. Say, let's stick to cabs only. But the flip side of that is that when they do, you just expect it to work. And when it, and you, the, only, the only time you think about it is when the service say, doesn't work. Yeah, right. when you when you're like okay, too long wait time or some driver's rude to you or something like that. Right. Right. So, right. Right. and I feel like this has some interesting implications that we want we are going to discuss. Right. So, right. but uh, but yeah, but I think the goal for many of these companies is to become as as you know as integrated and um, invisible in your life as a utility is right and and uh, so so you mentioned that uh, the goal uh, for these companies is to become a utility uh, may, maybe not the goal but the eventual uh, let's say uh, after they have achieved scale something like what swiggy has done or zomato has done and uber and ola to take your examples uh, they have achieved that level of scale when they eventually end up becoming uh, a utility right and possibly let's say five years uh, five years ago they didn't think about becoming a utility or becoming something which is fairly invisible right uh, is is that is that a fair assessment maybe but i feel like say if you're honest about this no this is actually the uh, the best case scenario, right? If you're as enmeshed in your cu- customer's life right. to be like a utility that people, you know, every day for me, food equals ordering from Swiggy. Right. 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 So that, right. Is, that is actually a great end state right, for right. a company. Right. Right. Despite, you know, some of these, say, not negative, but, you know, some of these other implications. Sure. But if, if you know, if your company can become that um, pivotal and integral part of your customer's life, mm-hmm. that's actually the, probably the best, you know, scenario, best case scenario, right? Right. But, <clears throat> so, uh, but but do people think about that in that sense? So, when you start off your company, this is a very, fairly unglamorous outcome that you that you have, right? It is, right? Uh, yeah, right. So, uh, so so let's say if you are a founder, and then I, I give you, I sell you that dream that let's say ten years down the line, nobody would actually think about, or nobody would actually love your product. Uh, would that be, uh, uh, let's say, an outcome that as a founder you would be you would be happy with? 
Yes, and I feel I feel like this is actually I mean the most interesting implication for me at least. Right. That if you're a founder that you you want to build a, especially a consumer service or product founder and you want to build something that people love, right? And people always talk about you know build something that uh, people love. And something like Uber, for example. Mm-hmm. The first two three years when it was there, it was revolutionary, right? And right. people used to uh, people used to say this is so much better than earlier. You know, I'm no longer worried about being out late at night and not finding a ride home and things like that. Right. But what happens is that once it becomes a mainstay in your life, you no longer think about it. You, you expect it. In fact, as customers, I think we become almost entitled, right? So if there's one bad driver, we just say you know Uber, or if I have one bad experience, you know, you, could, you immediately go to social media and you criticize Uber, right? Right, right, and uh, that, that's what you find in social media, right? So if you look for just uh, Uber or, yeah. or, or Airtel for the broadband example, so all you all you find is people cribbing about it on 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 social media, talking about poor service levels. Uh, while uh, what what the case may actually be is that uh, sixty days. Uh, you have good service or 59 days you have good service and one fine day you don't have good service and then you're just suddenly on social media talking about uh, how, how poor the service is. Exactly. And not just uh, for one day, but for, for like a very small section of people, right? Right. Like, right. Uh, exactly. Like 99 times out of 100, for 99 out of 100 people, it works really well. And right? the one time it fails, just people go ballistic on social media, right? Right. And, and as a founder, it's, it's almost depressing, right? To think that that is your end state. Yeah, exactly, because it seems to be a very dismal, uh, depressing outcome Correct. For, for a founder. Right? I feel like the, the place that's most visible is actually airlines, right? People constantly crib over Indigo and Spicejet and all that. And and for me, like personally, for example, Indigo has been great in the sense that the service is really good. It's right. a very high quality, uh, you know, offering, I feel. And it's always, it's never really let me down. Right. But I can see why, say, once I have a bad experience, my immediate reaction is going to be like, Hey, why is this so messed up? And I, I would feel like wanting to go and vent on social media, right? right? And you see so many complaints over Indigo, but if you think about it, they have like 45% market share or something. And, you know, they're very successful and it's a very high quality offering. Like, legit, like, people only realize how good Indigo is when they compare it to like Air India, for example, right? right, right. So, so that's when they realize that, oh yeah. man, okay, I forgot what it used to be like earlier. Right. Uh, and what we had. But, and Indigo is clearly very monetary, like, you know, even uh, business-wise and money-wise, it's been very successful, right? Right, right. right. Profitable, like many quarters in a row, and like never, never actually had a loss. Right. I don't think never. Uh, and I, when now it's a very successful public company. Right, right. Uh, but in practice, if you search for Indigo online, all you find is just curses. Right? Nobody's like, "Hey, Indigo, I love you." Right? <laughs> right. Nobody's ever going to say that. Of course. And I think as a founder, I guess you just have to accept that. Right? Like you got into this business. Like like you said, it's, it's an unglamorous outcome. Right. But turns out the best outcome is the most unglamorous one. Right. So, right, and that's that's where you end up making a lot more money and possibly. You're so, as you, as you mentioned, you're so enmeshed in, in uh, a person's life on that, a day-to-day level that you that people even stop thinking about options. Exactly. Uh, yeah, fast. <laughs> that's that's. In fact, I would yeah. go one step ahead and argue that if they get to that point where it's like you know people are only cursing you, mm-hmm. uh, either it's a very good thing or a very bad thing. Right. So right. at least uh, when people are like, oh, this is so much amazing, uh, so much better than the previous one, mm-hmm. that means you're still like nascent and people see you as a differentiator. But if they are at that stage where like you are the default and people are only cursing you, that means you have really made it, right? <laughs> so, like, you're no longer like an upstart where people are still comparing you to, like nobody's still comparing Indigo to Air India. They're like, they're like Air India to koi bhi nahi, right? So, right, right. so like, you made it to the level where nobody even bothers to praise you. So that means you really made it in some sense. Right, right. Which is odd, but I guess counterintuitive, but true. Maybe. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, so, so before, before I actually want to uh, just uh, let's say break down these businesses sure. after a point of time. Yeah. Uh, but, but before, before we get into that, possibly think about uh, and thinking about some some analogies in 
businesses. So you mentioned airlines. Yeah. We started with something like a broadband. Obviously, broadband makes a lot of sense right now. Um, uh, and we have also already mentioned something like an Uber, which is your uh, cab marketplaces. Then right. you have your food food marketplaces and so on. Yeah. Uh, then are, are there any parallels? So I'm thinking about uh, I'm thinking about unicorns or top companies in India. Yeah. Uh, so does does that work for uh, hotels also? Uh, so something like an OYO. So how how does it compare with an OYO versus let's say a premium hotel service such as a, such as a Marriott? Correct. So uh, so as we were discussing, right? I feel like um, there are a few common characteristics. Right. right. Uh, so especially if it's a a commodity offering that you know that's somewhat undifferentiated. Right. And in a business that is you know largely operationally driven, right? Right. Um, operational service business. Again, when it, I think when you bring it out of products, it gets a little messy again. Right. But right. I feel like. Because it's a it's a commodity service that's operationally driven right. and it's undifferentiated, sure. and largely going for a broad market. So, um, so like your OYO example, I feel like OYO, their 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 um, by definition their offering is that uh, we have a certain set of like how they started right, right. Like brand name hotel with um, we're going to standardize something. So it's a standardized offering. Right. So by na- by definition, what they want you to expect is that don't think about it. OYO is just going to uh, you know, be a clean offering and you'll get uh, what you expect. Right. 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 So the only only time you're unhappy with OYO is when they don't meet your expectations. Right. 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 But with uh, with a married for on the other hand, right. it's a very different sort of expectation. Right? right. Right. You expect them to impress you almost. And I, so I, that's why I feel like this analogy would fail uh, in these kind of cases when there is a differentiation and it's going for a niche market or a, right. maybe a luxury market. And there is an offering apart from the core offering. Right. So right. in case of married, there's also a status play, uh, a status thing at play, for example. Right. But in Uber and Ola, there's nothing like that. That's like, it's, it is a default offering and it is the core itself. Right? It does not really much of anything else. They both essentially have the same service. Right. Um, same offering. Right? They might have different standards of quality. Mm-hmm. But by and large, they're uh, the same. Right. And in many of these markets, what we have seen, or we do see at least, is that it ends up in a sort of oligopolistic nature almost. Right. So, right. Uh, if you have a bad experience with Uber, like one ride, one ride goes bad, mm-hmm. you'll go and crep and curse at them on social media. But eventually, what will you do? You go to Ola and then come back to Uber. I mean, you'll keep, you'll keep switching between the two anyway. You don't have a, you don't have an option. Yeah. Right. So, and likewise in, in airlines, right? One bad indigo flight and then you'll probably curse them and take Spicer the next time. But it's not like you'll ban indigo from your life because... As Kunal Kamath has shown, there are not there aren't many many options available. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? So, like, don't miss out the airlines. It's not worth it, right? So... So, so, but in case of hotels, for example, it's a much wider spectrum. Sure, uh, sure. So, so maybe what you're saying, uh, and please correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. Uh, so that might not hold for uh, the entire industry in some cases, in most cases. Yeah. Possibly it happens for something like a broadband. Uh, but most industries, it won't be a common phenomena like this, uh, that all the end goals are towards a utility kind of a creation. That's what you said. Yes. Uh, but there are certain segments that mass market segments or undifferentiated segments within that particular industry. That is where this phenomena would hold. Correct. Right? Yeah. So so your uh, OYO competing with your fab hotels and your tribos, uh, they, they're within, probably this. within the hotel industry. That's yeah. where you will have that differentiation, right? And exactly. that's where you you won't have those you won't have those differentiations, but you would you would have the differentiations with respect to operational performance, Correct. right? And not based on let's say quality of the rooms or or status or whatever. Whatever it may be, True. right? Uh, so that that is a, a differentiator. Uh, that the, the operational performance is the differentiator rather than quality, maybe. Correct. So, and and that's actually a great way to put it. Like when you say that, uh, like it breaks and you compare OYO with Marriott because right. that's not what you're trying to do. 
But when you say OYO uh, TrivoFab, right. that category, it makes a lot of sense for. Right. In fact, I would classify that um, not operational metrics, but like basic metrics. So right. for example, room quality to a, to a point, right? Sure. None of these have, none of these guys are claiming to have like say five-star rooms, right. but they have like basic functional rooms, right? So a bare minimum functionality has to be there uh, across parameters, but yeah. Exa- exactly. So I feel like whatever hygiene factor undifferentiated. Right. 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 So, right. Um, so, and, and um, I think that's, that's where OYO is uh, kind of losing out right now. If you, if, if you talk about recent events. Correct. Right. That, it seems like it, uh, sure. but again, uh, maybe because, uh, in the, these businesses, what also happens is that at least in many of these tech businesses, what's also been happening is that um, they're like, say, discount-driven stuff like that. Right? So, we're not really factoring in those. Right. right. Um, so, because in that case, demand is assisted by discounts. Right. Uh, but maybe in, in the cab business now, we see there are no discounts anymore. Live by and large. So, right. Right. Uh, the end state seems to be that because for now, uh, the whole point of discounts was to make it a habit. Right. And now they are a habit. Right. And now the end state is what we see right now, that people are just, uh, they see it as a default and they're only, no, they only notice it when things go wrong. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, as in what I want to talk about next, uh, right. could be, are there any industries, uh, you mentioned Uber, let's, let's take about, let's not talk about cab services as an example. Yeah. Are there industries or, let's say that, that can be a phenomena in uh, your tech businesses or tech enabled businesses right. uh, in which you do end up having a lack of options, right? So you're winner take all. Kind because of they market. are the winner take all. Yeah. yeah. So winner take all markets uh, like an e-commerce player uh, or winner or winners take all on, or some sort of an oli- oligopoly kind of a model, yeah. uh, which is where you are, you end up with two or three options. Right. Yeah. Uh, is that, uh, is that a, a, a differentiator? Or is that a, is that a possibility that uh, that uh, is is that an industry where all companies have to behave in in, in the manner that we are talking about? Uh, e-commerce, uh, e-commerce or, or any other industry, any any specific industry. Correct. So I, I, I think again, I think the, the what we go back to is uh, if it's a largely undifferentiated uh, offering in this sort of a market, right? Right. And in winner take all, it becomes like that by nature because there's like two three people involved, so that makes sense. So in uh, so for example, if you take e-commerce, it is. Uh, it's a little tricky there because I think again in e-commerce it would be a segment of e-commerce which is specifically marketplaces of Flipkart or Amazon. Right. And there you're like, okay, uh, Amazon delivers faster, but I'll take it. But for example, if you're ordering a book on either, it's basically the same except for the price, right? Right. So right. then it becomes uh, so that's why it's a little bit tricky there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it and it does break. For example, if you look at uh, D2C brands and all that. So that's why again I think that segment. Taking which segment of the market where these conditions hold that it's you know right. so so what what I meant was uh, since you described it as and maybe, maybe I, I wasn't clear earlier yeah um, so since we are describing this as a utility I'm mean, I'm going going uh, as I'm taking it from from that angle yeah uh, is that you have a utility yeah uh, and you have. Um, uh, specific uh, by by definition a utility would be a company that would not have a lot of competition right that's that's how utilities have been public described yeah. right so the public utilities uh, and uh, the the economic principles behind the creation of a utility is that uh, you don't have the investment or mm-hmm. you're blocked by the government uh, to invest into that particular business i'm talking about something like an electric power distribution yeah. right yeah. Uh, so you require a lot of capital <coughs> you require government intervention and so on uh, so then you don't have competition in in that sense correct uh, there will be certain industries like e-commerce or marketplaces in general right. 
which have shown a tendency or or platforms which have shown a tendency of a winner take all correct right so once you have a winner take all characteristic yeah does that mean that eventually you will end up becoming a utility and then you will have uh, those challenges that you spoke about at the start of the podcast correct that uh, that's what i'm saying i think it'll happen provided that it's an undifferentiated market largely right so right. um so e-commerce for example if you take e-commerce delivery right like especially delivery versus e-com express versus gojavas or whatever right? sure. and essentially they're all the same right they're using some combination of freight plus last mile delivery right. uh to get you something sure right and then and then it's like a price and uh, this thing play sure. but they're largely undifferentiated in that sense right right, right. Uh, so so there it does end up there and then that is even though that's a b2b thing and maybe that's not the winner take all right right but again say a, a swiggy zomato swiggy zomato is a perfect example because essentially their offering is men on bikes right okay people on bikes essentially yeah. Yeah. so that is like the perfect case where right. they're all just like a they have a large workforce of people on bikes right. that pick right. up food and, and uh, drop it pick up anything in case of swiggy right? right so and that is that has the and that that actually takes all these boxes that has a undifferentiated commodity commodity offering mm-hmm. and it's operationally in an operational driven business right and it's a very tactical right? right so that's where you see this most right because a not only do you not have options right and they are utilities by large right. so if you don't like swiggy you go to zomato and vice versa right um cloud kitchens are like a subset there they're not exactly competing with these guys directly right, right. so again but at this segment that you mentioned right so i think like you said if it's a very tactical it's more likely to happen sure. as long as it's an undifferentiated you know service play Right, that's going right. on right and then uh, once once you have uh, once you realize that you are in this play yeah. uh, the the idea is to uh, compete based on operational metrics rather than working on uh, a metric such as engagement or nps or, or csat would be a metric but uh, csat would but, be, yeah. but customer engagement and uh, uh, how much time do they spend on your application that is something that you don't really should not really care about uh, and you should really care about your tats and so on right probably i th- i think so because uh, as we seen with um, i mean I, this is not prescriptive right we don't know if i'm sure there be someone might break this rule but right, right. like in this market for example like if uber had cabs that you know that is that are always late or you don't get like minimum time minimum minimum eta is uh, 10 minutes or something right right you wouldn't use it no matter how nice the app was right so yeah. if it's a unit's a really crappy app you continue to use it because i get i get a cab fast right so right. invariably it's brought down to those core metrics right and uh, these metrics follow later on so once they're saturated on this in a name to differentiate to investors and others right. you might try to add that hey but people come back to our app a lot more sure whether it matters or not is a different question right but that's right. why you see many but people would come back to your app based on your service levels right so i, I would assume people <clears> going back to uber uh, people not going back to uber if you have like five uh, failed ride attempts exactly right. so, so, so why why would you bother to book a correct right and rather than how good the app uh, or the or the ux of the app uh, is correct and and it's interesting you mentioned the engagement thing right like for example i think gojek or grab i'm not sure one of these guys have uh, their games inside their app right right because i think they're trying to get into that uh, i think flipkart also has no flipkart also has right so maybe they're trying to move the two things right one is of course they want engagement right and they want people coming back to their app more right probably because of a correlation play that okay you know people use the app more they're more likely to buy and all of that right, right. and then like also in case of gojek and gojek and grab there's a whole super app place so they want to be a part of your life and everything right, right right at least logistically speaking interesting uh, so so what do you think about the uh, as in just just popped out uh, uh, that that thought came to my mind um, so so zomato has uh, a new feature in which 
you can order food and then you can look at videos and so on right uh, oh yeah so, huh. so from since you have a lot of product experience what's, <laughs> what's <laughs> your perspective on that does that make sense uh, why, why would a zomato invest in that uh, because we, we we are we have been talking about zomato as uh, uh something which where wherein operations uh, op- op- operational metrics would would make more sense uh than engagement on the application or the time that you spend on the application does that, does that make sense or uh, is it just a vanity metric that they are chasing i i've always felt like engagement for many of these apps uh, is a vanity metric right. i could be wrong of course but uh and very definitely be wrong but in the sense that it doesn't matter that much but engagement is the easiest thing to show to investors so for example you see like everybody seems to add games to their apps right now okay sure. and i worked for a gaming startup right. and that's because gaming gaming gets you engagement okay right. Right. so suppose you show that okay people spend 300 rupees on zomato on average per per week say right uh, and you know and that number is sort of stalled sure then the easiest thing to do is put games in the app or put the videos in the app you will suddenly put them audio would be the best right or, or, or gives you the maximum uh, engagement because it plays in the background so it plays in the background and audio is really like it's really smart to put audio right, right. so if you put like a podcast interview for example <laughs> exactly. you play it in the background you get 20 minutes flat so so let's say sanjeev uh, sanjeev kapoor talking about food or, or gordon ramsay talking about food why not uh, right in, yeah. the, in the back end uh, that that would be amazing right for the for your engagement metrics correct yeah. so and, and see i can see the narrative makes complete sense okay so you as omato you'll probably say that hey look uh, our um, this thing is st- fairly st- is our our arp is stalled but right. uh, now we have these videos on the app and customers are spending 15 minutes watching a video per day videos right, per day right, 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 and people who watch a lot of videos tend to order a lot more so you you'll create this and the problem with that is that you suddenly get really focused on engagement right and you see a lot of companies doing this right but the prime point is you are not a gaming company right and it is a vanity metric in the sense that it shows uh, like you're doing a lot but i don't think it does right. and i think is at the in the short term right you will see that correlation you will say that oh people who spend more time spend more money but I, I, it's the other way around right so the, it will be correlated but it will be the other way around because you are ordering a lot on zomato and then possibly once in a while you'll see the video or you'll see the audio and what oh, right? yeah yeah uh, but, but mean, it, it there won't be a causal relationship because you're coming back to the application just to listen to the audio or just oh, no no you won't get the video but for example you'll notice that uh, people who have watched the videos a couple of times right. tend to come back more often they remember zomato more or right at lunch oh, you might remember possibly, yeah. yeah so you're more you have slightly more positive um, top of mind recall right like Maybe. higher higher compared to say swiggy right so the the point is now everybody is doing it and which i which which is why i think that um people are thinking it's like this brahmastra that has suddenly solved the problems i don't think it will and the reason i say it's a vanity metric is because uh, it's the easiest way to th- uh, show that you know something is growing right, right. so if you th- throw in a few videos and a few games right. suddenly people and in a transactional app see people you spend 2 minutes ordering something right yeah exactly uh, but if you when the moment you put in uh, a game or a video right it become like 10 15 minutes right? Right, right so suddenly you're like wow okay like to show an investor it's great right so it may or may not affect your thing but in the short term it's great especially for fundraising and stuff right, right. and and i where i've worked i've seen that done been done in the past also right. best thing if if your retention is not growing and your uh, ticket size is not growing right. show engagement is the easiest thing to do right. at least something is growing then okay. so it gets <laughs> so, really tricky yeah. so, in the context of this podcast i'll just add yeah. that i realized that also maybe it any <clears throat> it gives you a way to get out of this this utility soup that okay we are utilities and we're competing for the same thing maybe it gives you a way to position us slightly differently um so loading it becoming more of a platform something, something like that like some that, yeah. some form of um, differentiation yeah. Yeah. yeah right so again i don't think that would work or i that works i'm not sure 
Like you would not continue to use Zomato if that delivery is so late. You wouldn't care about the videos, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like so, different sources for video. Exactly. Correct. So, so, so again. So, I, I feel like these are all very these are late stage maneuvers, right? Sure. You have reached that oligopolistic. Now it's acquired Uber Eats also. So it's basically just two players. Right. And now on top of that, you're trying to somehow differentiate and all that. Right. Right. Um. So again, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know where that. Goes. But then you can differentiate based on operational uh, metrics, right? So it can be significantly better. You can you can show that you are significantly better than Swiggy every single time. Uh, uh, in terms of cost and in terms of delivery times, then I would rather come back to you again and again on a daily basis. Right? But, but they're both peak there, right? It's the same men on bikes, and yeah, they come to you in like twenty minutes or twenty-five. Uh, so there, there are ways to innovate uh, once you have once you don't have differentiator, right? You can differentiate based on pricing. You can have a lock-in kind of a service, right. uh, something like Prime, basically. So I am logged in on Prime so that I I would. Uh, it, it's so Amazon and Flipkart would be a similar example, yeah. but you would rather uh, order from uh, Amazon yeah. because you are there on Prime. So you there is a significant correct. So so like difference a, in price, a loyalty right? membership, program, some sort of a loyalty kind of a thing. Correct. But I think I think Swiggy has tried doing that as well, right? So you with mentioned yeah. Swiggy uh, with with uh, Super Super Super. I think Super is uh, free delivery, right? Uh, uh, free delivery. Correct, the free delivery thing. Yeah. Uh, so free delivery, and then uh, you can have a daily basis, uh, correct, order daily, and so on. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that's something that you can obviously do. You can innovate in that sense to build in that loyalty. Uh, so possibly per order, you are reducing the price mm-hmm. or reducing the money that you generate, but you are eventually uh, creating a more sustainable, uh, predictable revenue kind of a thing. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. But but I think that, that that but I think at this stage it still won't change your our core what we started with right yeah that customers still see as utility in the sense that uh, now you you're, you're past the stage where somebody will say I love Swiggy Swiggy as a it it kind of does right it it kind of did with uh, Jet.com it doesn't exist anymore uh, yeah. so maybe not not a great uh, great discussion point but the whole loyalty program that Jet had yeah. uh, you had a lot of repeat customers who went back to Jet again and again despite whatever right? yeah so uh, so for example I'll say I use Swiggy every day right. But um, again, as I said, I now I'm at the stage where I'll only complain when they fail. I don't like when a Swiggy delivery comes. I won't be like shabash. Right. 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 So, so that and that's what I'm saying. That our 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 core proposition that we started with, that from a customer expectation standpoint, this sure. is what it becomes. Sure. I think that still holds. Right. Uh, companies may do a lot of maneuvers to improve their business side. Sure. But I don't think I think this becomes like a category. Um, defining thing that right, right. it's like that's the nature of your business like i think like especially like we said no like in things like telecom and all i think they're fairly they've accepted this right nobody ever talks positively about their um, telecom right. operator yeah. Yeah. Right? right so and this is true across the world you see even like in the us people keep cursing comcast or uh, verizon or Rosa, sure. right? nobody's sure. like i love my uh, telco right so right. that sort of thing that that there are other things you can do on the business side but right. this this core assumption stays true is what i think at least Makes sense. Uh, so, what what would be other any other uh, let's say implications that you can think about? Um, I think that this the the founder thing I think is the biggest one. I think it seems to be the most important one. Right. Um, the other thing is what you mentioned, right? That um, that maybe the focus on op- operational metrics seems to be the most important thing. Yeah, you should get that really quickly. Right. So, I think uh, a famous story is the like someone told me this that you know uh, someone who knew someone who used to work at Tiny Owl yeah. early on and and at Swiggy. Mm-hmm. And like you know, Swiggy actually was a pretty late entrant in that sense, right? It was already yeah. tiny yeah. hour, and um, Freshman was already around and yeah. stuff. So, uh, but Swiggy had like this manic focus on you know operational excellence. So they'd get you an order fast, and you could track it. While Tiny Hour had a great product, but they wouldn't just, uh, they wouldn't you know solve your problems quickly, right? If your customer complaint or something like that, right. because they're a lot more focused on product quality, app quality yeah. versus operational metrics. And clearly, Swiggy succeeded, right? So. Right. 
and you know the Welsh keeper was like very clearly like you know just do what it is needed on the ground to make sure that an order goes fast and that it will be uh and and i i feel like that understanding that you're in what space you're in and over indexing on that front maybe is probably uh, what to work makes sense yeah yeah so that's that's a very it was a very fascinating discussion yeah, uh, so, so yeah and uh, possibly if somebody is listening to it and can can actually add onto onto these with more real world experience right i don't think either of us are like operational yeah, exactly. guys so some, somebody who's actually working at a, at a swiggy or, or a similar company in a similar industry uh, that would be a very interesting Yeah. So if, if you can contribute, if you can send out uh, some some uh, let's say messages to us, uh, highlighting gaps in our understanding, uh, or or you can add on to it, uh, that would be that would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Moving on to the next segment. Uh, so Chaitanya, what have you you been reading or consuming of late this week? Uh, there's one actually one interesting article that I thought mm-hmm. would be worth mentioning uh, by a person named W. Brian Arthur, okay, okay. an economist who. Who in the 80s actually came up with the notion of increasing returns, like in, in economics we talk about diminishing returns, right? Law right, diminishing right, returns. Right. So he was like the first, apparently one of the first guys or the first guy right. to say that not all industries work like this. There are some industries where, um, you know, as the market matures, there are increasing returns. Right. People, companies make more money than less. Sure. Um, something like tech. And something like tech, and you know, apparently his his original paper got rejected a few times, and you know, nobody could do it seriously. Right. And at the end of the 80s, it got published and stuff. Sure. but when it really caught fire is uh, in the mid 90s when you know the internet started booming right right and uh, suddenly they found that this guy's theories could explain why say uh, how venture capital works and why tech is like a winner take all market right and things like that right? because uh, initially you lose a lot of money but overall in the long term you end up making a lot of money and, and you make more money over time right. you become right. more dominant over time right. and stuff so so there's actually so well the papers were written in the 90 in the 80s right. in the 96 he wrote an hbr article and that sort of uh, as he says in a later interview that you no know, that sort of clarified a lot of thinking that people were feeling intuitively right. because they were invest they were investing in these companies and stuff right mm-hmm. so it it clarified a lot of that thinking is from an economics uh, fundamental standpoint right. Right. so i went to found his original paper and and the art and the hbr article and i'm still reading those right Uh, so let's but, talk about uh, network effects and things like that. Or, or it, it comes out, comes to, to this particular, uh, let's say, increasing returns from from some some different angle. No, he talks about more like more specifically about uh, increasing. Returns. He doesn't talk about network effects as such. Okay. I think he's taking like more more generally, right? I think just the notion of increasing returns. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm still reading, so I, I don't. Sure. I don't think he does mention uh, network effects. Network effects becomes a little more specific, right. like I think right. modes and stuff. But um, I think the notion that in an industry it's not. Uh, I think the, the the conventional notion is because you're, they're looking at like industrial uh, manufacturing, manufacturing yeah, stuff, yeah, right? So, yeah. um, so there is a saturation level reason, and that's why you have diminishing returns after a point. Right. But uh, the curve is flipped in case of tech and things like that. So. Right. Um, right. So yeah. So that, that's the yeah. that's that's a that's a recommendation that I got, and I'm passing this on, and I'm still reading it, but I do think it's worth looking up because I feel like he's not as well known as say a Clay Christensen. Right. Right, right. So, uh, uh, in 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 tech circles, but apparently in like historical tech circles, he is quite quite well known because of these, you know, his writing on this. Right. So so interesting that you mentioned uh, Clay Christensen because uh, so sadly he passed away a few days back. Yeah. Uh, and I have been uh, because because uh, of of the legacy that he left behind with uh, as an innovator's dilemma is the most famous uh, work of his. Right. I personally prefer the. Uh, 
the, the other book, which is How Will You Measure Your Life, yeah. uh, over, over Innovators Dilemma. Mm. Uh, but obviously, I've been consuming a lot of uh, a lot of content around uh, Clay Christians in both uh, the, the articles that he wrote or the articles people are writing about him yeah. uh, and his life yeah. and, and the legacy. Uh, as well as some articles in the past which were fairly critical uh, to his work for so for, for instance he was uh, uh, as in at, in the in the early stages of of uh, when when iphone was was launched into, into market he always believed that it's not a disruptive innovation uh, and i think you no know, i think he also believed that it like, other companies would catch up soon like, right 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 exactly something he, he believed that it's it's not a differentiator it's, it's just a fancy mobile phone correct uh, that's that's his that was his perception and then there was a lot of backlash from the tech community mm-hmm. uh, eventually he came uh, to realize that uh, the flaws in 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 his uh, let's say assessment of that particular case yeah uh, uh in the sense that he thought about iPhones as a as a as a smartphone yeah. or as a, as a normal phone yeah. uh, or a fancier phone hmm. uh but uh, not not from an angle that it's a, it's a small mobile computer that you have that you can carry with you around right? Correct. Uh, which which is fairly disruptive if you think about it and all all sorts of services products that we have already spoken about in the podcast right. uh which were enabled because of all the technology that that was brought in by the by iPhone and then subsequently uh Android and and so on right yeah. so, so so the entire platform mm-hmm. i think uh, you said that uh, what the, the market that they ended, they ended up disrupting is the computer right. market the laptop market not the smartphone first generation right yeah. so, so people in india at least uh, who have used a smartphone before using a personal computer the smartphone only in yeah, smartphone case, only in, yeah. in, in this case right yeah uh, and that opens up a lot of possibilities for for, for all sorts of services and uh, and disruptions if you if you may uh, so yeah so i have been reading a lot of uh, let's say a uh, plan to read uh, his books right uh, over the next uh, few weeks mm-hmm. uh, so starting with let's say innovators dilemma and then uh, there's uh, innovators prescription or something like that solution uh, solution uh, and then uh, how how will you measure your life so these are a couple of books that uh, that that i plan to read Uh, over the over the next couple of weeks, and possibly we can we can have a podcast on on, yeah, on, I think on this sh- particular thing. I think we spoke about this last time, right? Like the, right. often we haven't read the source material, exactly. but yeah. reading summaries yeah. or summaries. So right, right, right. So now it's always nice to like go to the source material and see what they um, said in their exactly. notes. Exactly. Right. Um, which is nice to do. Yeah, that's 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 nice. I think it'll make for a great discussion as well. So I think we will have that in a few weeks. Thank you for listening in. Uh, this is a great episode. Uh, let us know your feedback on Twitter and have a great day.